The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 27. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Welcome to Thrive Thursday with Dr. Yishai. This week, I had Megan McNeil, personal brand strategist and host of the Personal Branding Exposed podcast on the business couch with me. On Insight Sunday, Megan shared her journey into becoming a personal branding expert over 10 years while working in public relations with business founders and leadership. On Story Tuesday, Megan shared lessons on doing too much for her clients and the value of guiding and allowing them to challenge and share themselves authentically. She also dove deeper into personal branding and how it impacts every business. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to episodes 25 and 26. This week and next week, I'm sharing a presentation that I give on overwhelm, which is called Eight Mistakes You're Making That Cause Overwhelm. It breaks down overwhelm into a basic formula with two parts. The formula is that overwhelm equals load over limit, where your load is greater than your limit. Or in short, Overwhelm is when our load exceeds or is greater than our limit. So today, I'm talking all about the first half of that formula. Today, I'm talking about mistakes that can cause your load to become too much. And then next week, you'll hear the second half of my presentation, where I'll talk about mistakes that can affect your limits. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger, if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they have so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. 
You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. And now, without further ado, let's dive into eight mistakes you're making that cause overwhelm, part one. So I want to start off with a story. A few months back, it's actually closer to six, eight months ago now, when I was in a call with about five or six entrepreneurs, business owners, and one of the things that started showing up was that one of them started talking about overwhelm and how they were feeling really overwhelmed at that time. And then a second one chimes in, and then suddenly everybody's really talking about how much they have on their plate, what it is that they want and need to get done, and how there isn't enough time, resources, money, or anything else. And at that point, I really felt like I had to jump in. So here's what I did. I talked to them, and I shared with them this formula that I have to understand overwhelm, which I know I was telling you earlier about. And that is that overwhelm shows up when our load is greater than our limit. And so what I did during that call is I kept asking, well, what's the load? And how is that load too much? How can they handle it better? What are their current limits? How could they expand those limits? And we had hours and hours of conversation on that topic. So today, what I'm going to really be diving into are four mistakes that really lend themselves to having much more difficult time with your load or getting overloaded. So let's start with number one. I think the first one, and I think it's a really important one, is when you don't prioritize. So mistake number one is when there's so much that you have to do or you have these long lists, maybe you haven't even put them into lists, but then it's really hard or you're finding that you're not really picking the things that are really important to you, but rather you find yourself chasing down a lot of different opportunities, different directions. Another name for that, though it's not a kind of like clinical or technical term, is shiny object syndrome. And what that means is that there are all these new things or projects or ideas and that you're chasing after one of these ideas or one after the other after the other. And the result of that is that you find yourself putting a little bit of energy or bursts of energy into all these different things. And I want to share with you, it kind of reminds me of a couple of things. One is there's a book by Gary Keller called The One Thing. And what the book focuses on is how important it is to choose just one thing and to really focus on and put your energy into and figure out what it is that you need to do or get done in order to really accomplish the one thing. Part of that idea being that if you don't prioritize, if you don't select, and if you don't really determine what the one thing is, that you'll find yourself in trouble. You find yourself moving in all these different directions and not really getting anywhere or not getting anything done. It's kind of like just treading water or just kind of frantically kicking your arms and legs without really having a direction to go in. Another one is that Stephen Covey, one of the things that he talks about is he says that the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, which really comes down to that same idea. It's really important to pick what is very important to prioritize, to pick the most important thing and to keep that at the very center and recognize when there are other things that are pulling you or pushing you in all these different directions. Because if you don't have that, it's kind of like having a compass. If you don't have a compass and you don't have a sense of where your true north is or how to get where it is that you want or need to go, if you don't have a singular direction or if you're not prioritizing the things that are going to help you get there, 
then ultimately you're going to find that you're using a lot of time and energy to do other things and you're not really making as much progress. And it's really easy to get overloaded that way because without the prioritizing, there's so much that you could be doing or that people might recommend or even offer you as advice to do. And you're not really getting those things that are so important to get done. You're not really getting them done. So that's number one. Number two is when there are too many roads to follow. And sometimes I like to use other kind of analogies for it. One is when you're going apple picking. So usually you pay for a bag, whether it's a half-size bag or a full bushel bag, and then all you can pick are enough apples to fit into that bag. But what happens if you keep picking more apples and trying to put them in the bag? Well, they're going to keep spilling over that kind of overload or overwhelm. Or another example of that is, it's like if you've ever opened up a pickle jar and you stick your hand in there and you try to grab as many pickles as you could possibly grab and then pull it out, what's going to happen? Well, your hand's going to get stuck in that jar. And that actually comes from an old Jewish book for kids called Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. It's actually one of the ways that he tricks these devious goblins. So that concept of a hand in the pickle jar, too many apples, is that when you're chasing down so many different things, and I know I was talking a little bit about that with the prioritizing, when you're chasing down so many different roads, it can really lead to this process that's actually called decision paralysis, or when you have too many options that you're trying to pursue all at once. So decision paralysis comes from research that was done in 1995 by Iyengar and his colleagues, which was called the JAM experiment. And just so you know, that research was actually replicated and showed up in a bunch of different areas in marketing and in psychology and social psychology. And more recently, it showed up even with things like insurance options, how many options you have. So I'll share with you what this particular research experiment did. What they did was they put up a table, very much like at your local store or at a Costco where they were offering samples. And part of the time, they offered six options in this supermarket in California of different jams to taste. And other times they offered 24 different selections and samples. And what they did was after giving people these options, they would offer them a coupon and then see who would buy. So the first thing that they did was they looked at the difference when you had 24 versus six options, how many people stopped and actually took a sample. And then they also looked at after they got the coupon, how many people actually decided to purchase. So what they found was when you had the large assortment, this 24 all at once, you had 60% of people who were walking by stopped. So it was a bit more of an eye catcher. However, what they found was that 3% approximately actually ended up purchasing any of the jams. Whereas when there was a smaller assortment, six, which is 25% the amount of the larger assortment. So when they had this small assortment, What they found was that 40% of people that they kind of invited or were walking by stopped to test or taste the jams. However, of the people who stopped, 30% of those ended up purchasing. And so what's very interesting to look at between them is that even though a larger assortment got up to 50% more attention, it got a lot more people stopping. However, people tended to kind of get paralyzed by the options and you had so few people purchasing. It was about 3% of people who were actually stopping that actually purchased. Whereas in the smaller assortment, even though there were fewer people who stopped, it got a little bit less attention. More of the people who stopped actually purchased one. And so that research was actually replicated over and over and over again in dozens of 
areas multiple times over and over again. And so what's really interesting and important to take into account with that is that when you have too many options or too many things on your plate, too many roads to chase down, too many leads, what can happen is you can really get paralyzed. It can really get in the way of your picking one of those roads and really investing your time, your energy, your resources, and working on it to make sure that it works for you and your business. So that's number two. Number three is resisting offloading or dropping things. And so this is a little bit different in that it has to do with either control or letting go. The kind of problem that it usually presents is when, for example, maybe you're afraid that someone else won't do it quite as well or won't do it exactly the way that you like to do it. Perhaps you've had experiences in the past that really validated that belief or that experience that when you handed something over, someone else didn't take it as seriously or wasn't as meticulous or as deliberate or didn't have exactly in their mind what you had in your mind. Perhaps you've actually been stuck on exactly how you want it to be done. And it can be really hard to let that go and allow someone else to do it their own way. So sometimes it's not just about the outcome, it's about how you would do it versus how someone else might choose to go about it. And sometimes it's about exacting standards or a kind of perfectionism, or perhaps sometimes you really believe that you have to do this or you're not going to succeed. Whatever the reasons may be, and there could be so many other reasons that it's really hard to let go of taking on or continuing to do some of these tasks or responsibilities, what can really end up happening is over time, you're accumulating more and more things that you need to do, that you have to handle, and it can be really challenging to get them all done well enough. And I know that sometimes when you want to get someone else to do it, it's a challenge to slow down and train or teach them how to do it, and they have to get on the learning curve. And you may have been on the learning curve, or you may have done it for many, many weeks, months, years even, and even longer. And so it can be really challenging because somebody else who's starting to do it is not going to have nearly the same amount of experience or expertise, or they might not have that viewpoint or the outcome that it is that you want. So what that can do, though, is it can create a slow or sometimes even indetectable pressure that builds into a pressure cooker. And even though you may not realize that that's happening, but all these things are accumulating and you have this long list of things that you need to do, that pressure cooker can suddenly really feel like it's under so much pressure and it's kind of bursting at the seams. And I've seen this a lot. There are a lot of people who I've spoken to and who've encountered overwhelm that what happens is that they said they were going along and everything seemed fine and it seemed fine and it seemed fine and they had all these different things that they were learning to do and doing and doing consistently and doing well. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, it's like everything burst. It's just impossible to handle all of those things. It can be particularly challenging when it really seems like it comes out of nowhere. And here's something that I think is really important that connects to it. It's a concept called working memory, also known as short-term memory. And in that, there's this theory called cognitive load theory, which is that overload happens when you're trying to hold on to too much at once, especially when some of those things are either incomplete or not masterfully understood. So if you're holding on to all these different things that you really need to be doing, what's happening is your brain is exerting a tremendous amount of effort trying to hold on to all of those things, especially the unfinished things or the things that you still need to do. And cognitive load theory says that there are limits. And when you hit those limits, you're going to both experience feeling overwhelmed 
And you're going to have a really hard time holding on to more things or even functioning well or being productive. And so that's something that's really, really important to pay attention to and to be aware of because one of the real consequences for overwhelm is that it can be so, so hard to continue doing the things that you need to do to be as productive as you really need to be. And I think that's for good reason. And we'll just take a moment and talk about that because when you're feeling overwhelmed, that's your body and your brain telling you, kind of like that pressure cooker we were talking about, it's kind of like there's a red line. And it's like you're going past that red line or the pressure level is really, really high. The thing is that the overwhelm can disrupt how we experience or feel in our body or our brain, but it doesn't change the reality of how much you really need to do or how much really needs to get done. And so even though the overwhelm, the feeling of overwhelm or the emotion can really be disruptive, it can be really challenging to experience Trying to get rid of or ignore that feeling doesn't really change the reality of all the stuff that needs to get done or that you've put on your plate. And so I think that that's a really important piece that you need to pay very close attention to because your brain is trying to hold on to everything, which then leads to exhaustion, lower productivity, lower focus. And when all of that happens, it's going to be much, much harder to really do all the things you need to do. And obviously things are going to start slipping off the plate. And that isn't as much about the overwhelm itself. Rather, it's about the process or how much you really have on your plate. And I think it's important to really separate those two things out. Your feeling or the emotion of overwhelm is there to tell you about what the reality is or what's on your plate or what it is that you experience and think and feel and see that you really need to get done or that really has to get done. So that's number three. And lastly, I think it's really important in terms of understanding and talking about the overload is that it's very common for people to experience overwhelm when they don't schedule or tinker with the schedule. So something I think that is really important for you to keep in mind is that a schedule is supposed to free you. It's not supposed to kind of trap you or lock you. And for a lot of people, what they do is that they think about a schedule as they have to put all their stuff at some point in time on their day, and then they have to try to get that all done exactly during that time. Well, schedules don't always work at all times for all people, for all situations. In fact, the whole purpose of a schedule is that you make time for what matters. Schedules should create freedom, not constriction. I'll share with you one exercise that I've been doing now for months, actually, I think it's been over a year, which is, I call it the two-minute journal. The two-minute journal consists of something like eight to 13 really shorthand questions that ask me to rate something on a zero to 10 or to put down how many minutes I'm going to do a certain type of task. And every morning, what I do is I look at that and I write down for each of those things, either on the one to 10 scale or how many minutes I plan on doing it for the really important things that I need to consistently be getting done. So before I even get my day started, What I'm doing is I'm answering these 8 to 12, maybe 13 maximum questions. Takes me about 90 seconds, could be as little as 30 seconds. And the purpose of that is to organize myself, to put tasks and times, and to review at the end of my week or at the end of my month or both, and kind of learn about myself, my needs, what it is that I'm prioritizing, what's getting done, perhaps what isn't getting done. It can also help me take a look at things like stress or overwhelm, because I tend to rate those. Those are two of my own questions on a zero to 10 scale. And what that really allows me to do is 
that I can, at the end of every week when I'm looking over it, see, are there any patterns? Are there things that I'm consistently getting done? Are there things that I'm putting off or not getting done? Are there experiences that I'm having like stress or overwhelm? Are they particularly higher? Are they lower? Are they more than expected or less than expected? And one thing that I really can do is to then take a look at that and tinker and change and evaluate. And I think it's a really important thing to understand when it comes to a schedule. And that reminds me, thinking about that and kind of connecting it to something we were talking about earlier in terms of priorities, there's a concept called power lists, which Andy Frizzella talks about in the book, Killing It Every Day, Maximizing Productivity. And this concept of power lists is that you put down five things that you really absolutely definitely need to get done. And you don't do anything else in your day until you do those five things. And the whole idea there is it basically pushes you to identify, coming back to the first one, the priorities that you have, and also to put them in your schedule to say, I'm not doing anything else. There's no other productivity. The rest of my day doesn't start until these five things get done. And so I think it's really important to understand that there's an idea of having five critical tasks, or you can pick your own number. Maybe it's three or four. The important thing talking about overwhelm is not to overload yourself or to put so many things or to put tasks that involve hours and hours of work that by the time you finish those five things, there's really nothing else that you could possibly even fit into your day. And another part of that is that those five critical tasks, those must-dos are in order for you to make progress on your goals towards your dreams to get your needs met, to get what it is that you want to get done or that you need to get done, whether it's at the beginning of your week, the middle of your week, or to wrap up your week. And I think it's really important in context of that to talk about something else, which is the idea of SMART goals, which was initially uh, proposed by George T. Doran. And the idea of SMART goals is that they are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and that there's a time associated with them. And each of those five things, though we're not going to have a lot of time to dive into that today, each of those five things is really about hammering down what it is that you need to get done to be able to put it in a concrete way and something that you can get done and to put it in a time and get it done. When we're talking about overwhelm, coming back and doing a kind of general review, today we talked about four mistakes that you make that cause you overwhelm, specifically the ones that really overload you. And so we covered today, the first mistake was when you don't prioritize. Second is when you have too many roads to follow or you have your hand in that pickle jar trying to pick up too many at once. The third is when you're resisting offloading or dropping things. And the fourth is when you don't schedule or tinker with your schedule to make it work for you and create more freedom. When we're talking about overwhelm, What's really, really important with the load part of overwhelm is that there are so many ways that we overload ourselves and that we allow ourselves to get overloaded. And I'm sure if you think about it, you can come up with even more. And if you do, feel free to message me, feel free to email me. I'd love to hear about your experiences and your thoughts and ways that you experience overwhelm showing up. And so you can email me at yishai at dryishai.com. And feel free to share that with me or share any feedback that you have about the first half of eight mistakes that you're making that cause overwhelm. And on that note, I'll see you next time.
Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 